Fortune cookies are the worst desserts, aren't they? Like, seriously. There's nothing good about a fortune cookie at all, you guys. I mean, they don't taste good, first of all, okay? Anybody who says that they enjoy the taste of fortune cookies is a liar. There is nobody who really likes fortune cookies. And the way that I can prove this, no, seriously, the way that I can prove this is if I offered you a bowl of ice cream or a fortune cookie, nobody's going to choose the fortune cookie. Everybody's going to go for the ice cream or cake or pie or candy bar or literally anything else. Like it could be broccoli or a fortune cookie and you guys are going to choose broccoli, all right? Then, I mean, like, I guess the one thing that fortune cookies do have going for them is the fortune, right? You crack them open, you get to read the little slip of paper. That's the only reason I ever open a fortune cookie anyway. I don't eat the things, I just crack them open to look at the fortune. The problem is the fortunes themselves are not very good either. They're generic, they're vague, they're, they're not specific. I mean, it just seems like, you know, they're repeating the same five or six things over and over and over again. In fact, the only way to actually make a fortune that you pull out of a fortune cookie, the only way to make it even remotely interesting is to add the words in bed at the end of what you're reading, right? No, just the pastor does that? Okay, anyway, um, we have to invent these games just to even make the fortune cookie worth reading, you know? It's completely crazy. Now, you might think to yourself, as we're now in week three of our Tweetable Truth series, we're working our way through the book of Proverbs, you might actually notice some similarities between the Proverbs themselves and things that you might see in a fortune cookie, right? They're both very short, pithy, wise-sounding statements. And so you might think to yourself, yeah, this is kind of like the fortune cookie a book of the Bible. That would be selling it a little short, okay? Whereas fortune cookies are not like, nobody takes them seriously, right? Fortune cookies are very generic and vague. The book of Proverbs actually is really, really specific. And we've talked about some specific Proverbs over the last couple of weeks. We're going to look at another very specific one this morning. Some fortune cookies, or the majority of fortune cookies, anyway, are really shallow, you know? They're just silly. It's like, I don't know, dime store wisdom, right? The Bible, the book of Proverbs in particular, on the other hand, is amazingly deep. As soon as you think you understand a verse, you read it and you get a totally different take on it. You're like, whoa, this is way deeper than I could have ever imagined. Fortune cookies, you know, I mean, if we're just going to be honest about them, nobody takes them seriously. Nobody orders their life around what they see in a fortune cookie. And yet, the book of Proverbs is is actually powerful enough for you to reorient or reorder your life around the wisdom that's found inside of it. And so although the book of Proverbs, it might bear some superficial similarities between a fortune cookie, the reality is it is much deeper. It is more powerful and it is definitely far more beautiful than anything that you'll find in any other wisdom in our culture. Now, wisdom is going to be really big today. It's going to factor into our message quite a lot because we all want to live wise lives, don't we? We want to make the wise decision. We want to be known as wise people. But as we said over the past few weeks, we are filled and we live in a world that's filled with people making unwise decisions. You can probably think about folks in your life and you're like, yep, 
unwise. Yep, foolish. Yep, dummy. Yep, not smart. Yep. You can think about people in your lives. Could be family members, could be friends, could be coworkers, and they're making very, very unwise or foolish decisions. You might even look at your own life in some areas and you say, uh, I don't know that I'm actually living with the wisdom that the Bible has for me to live according to. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a series of verses from Proverbs chapter number one. And in this series of verses, the Bible actually gives us a framework for how to deal with people in our lives who are making very unwise or foolish decisions. Maybe you've got a brother or a sister and they keep doing things that hurt the family. And you're wondering, how far am I supposed to keep going with this? Like, how long am I supposed to keep saying, I forgive you and it's okay and let Let's try again over and over and over again when they keep making the same mistakes. Maybe you've got a grandkid. They're 16 or 15 years old and they're doing everything you wish they wouldn't do. And you're wondering, how do I respond to this? Maybe there's somebody at your work and they found out that you were a believer and they give you an incredibly hard time about it. And you're like, I just don't know how to respond to people who have that sort of attitude. The verses from the book of Proverbs this morning are going to give you a framework, something that you can walk through and say, okay, this is is how I should respond to people in my life who are making very unwise, potentially even harmful choices. Now, although we're going to look at it from the frame of reference of like somebody else, we're also going to put ourselves through the same filter. We don't want to be hypocrites, right? And so when we look at other people's lives and we run them through the filter of the scripture's wisdom, we've got to be willing to do the same thing. And so as we put ourselves through this, we are going to kind of be able to gauge whether or not we're living as wise people or foolish people, and then how we can change that so that we can live with the wisdom, the deep, true, transformative, beautiful wisdom that God has for us, all right? So let's look at this passage. It's Proverbs chapter number one. It's a few verses. It's not just one proverb. We've been reading one proverb up to this point, but we're going to take a few proverbs this morning. In chapter number one, the writer of Proverbs is a man named Solomon. Solomon is the son of David, the same David who killed Goliath. You know, David and Goliath, that story. David grows up, he becomes a king, he has a son. His son is named Solomon, and Solomon is known for his wisdom. He's known for having a lot of wives too, but we'll ignore that point, you know, for now. He is known for having a great deal of wisdom. In fact, the Bible calls him one of, if not the wisest person that ever lived. And so he writes down all these wise sayings for his children, for his nation, and then for us, you know, centuries and centuries in the future. And in Proverbs chapter number one, verse 20, he compares wisdom to a lady calling out in the streets of her city, calling out for anybody who will listen, come get wisdom. I've got wisdom here. Come get some. She's calling out. Now we're going to read a few words here and I want to be very, very clear with you. This is wisdom personified. This is not God speaking. If you read this very like superficially, you might read some of this and you're like, wow, I don't know. God's kind of mean in this passage. This is not God speaking. This is wisdom personified. And so you, you want to keep that in mind as we read. So verse 20 says, wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. 
I like to pause every so often and just remind you guys that a lot of what you've been told about the Bible is not really true. And so I love the fact that wisdom is compared to a woman here. In in the ancient culture, that would have been completely crazy, almost scandalous to, to say, okay, wisdom could be personified as a lady. Women were not allowed to testify in court in this day. They weren't seen as particularly reliable. Of course, we know that in ancient times, even when this was written, women were kind of looked at as, as property that were owned by husbands and men. And so for the Bible to even say wisdom could be personified, it could be presented as a woman is really amazing. And I don't want you to just read over it. I want you to let that challenge all the things that you've been told about what the Bible says in relation to men and women in our world. All right. Verse 21, it says, she calls to the crowds along the main street, to those who are gathered in front of the city gate. How long, you simple ones, will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel, and I will share my heart with you, and I will make you wise. Now, again, some harsh words in there. I want to point out this is not God calling people fools. This is wisdom speaking to us. It's a rhetorical device. We're supposed to kind of be a little on the defensive here so that we can get the point of what's being said. In these verses, we are introduced to four types of people. Four types of people that actually show up throughout the rest of the book of Proverbs. You might not have realized it, but both weeks prior to this, as we've worked our way through the uh, Tweetable Truth series, we have talked about some of these four types of people already. And when you read the book of Proverbs, these are not four like interchangeable characteristics or names or designations for people. These are actually specific types of people who have specific ways of living, thinking, relating to other people. And so I want to look at these four types of people this morning. We're going to represent them with four chairs here on the screen so that you can kind of visualize them and understand these four types that the scripture presents. And again, I want you to think about where you sit in these chairs, and I want you to think about where people in your life might be sitting in these chairs, because these four types of people are going to show up in your life again and again. As soon as we start pointing them out, as soon as we start defining them and reading what the book of Proverbs has to say about them, you're going to be like, oh yeah, I know one of those people. Oh yeah, I've lived as one of those people before. So keep that in mind as we read through, okay? What this tells us, the fact that there are four different type of people with four ways of living, not all of them particularly wise, is that not all dummies are created equal, you guys, okay? There are some people who make unwise choices in their lives, and it's like the best thing we can do for them is give them grace, give them forgiveness, give them another chance. And then there are some people who make unwise decisions, and they're toxic. They're actually harmful for us to be around, and we know that we need to cut them out. The question is, how do you know where people fall on that spectrum? How do you know how you should relate to these people in your life who are choosing to live very foolishly? And this is going to give you some of the the ways to process that. How do you know which is which? So in the first seat, here we find the simple person. In verse 22, the scripture says, How long, you simple ones, will you insist on being simple-minded. Now look, we if you read this, that word simple, it, it might sound kind of mean, kind of harsh, you know, a little condescending maybe. But in truth, the word simple here can sim- it can be translated as naive 
or inexperienced, right? So it's not a criticism. It's not a condemnation. It's not even a critique, really. It's just reality. People who live as simple lives, people who live as simple people, it's not their fault. They just don't have experience. Typically, young people, very young people, are simple. They just haven't had a ton of experience. They haven't uh, reaped the consequences of their actions over a long enough period of time to, to tie the two together, to make sense out of cause and effect. So they're not cynical. They're not careless. We could just say they're a bit clueless, right? These sorts of people make unwise decisions because they lack life experience. That's it. They're not bad. They're not evil. They just lack life experience. So this is the, this is the grade nine love story, right? Where a girl says, oh my gosh, I found my soulmate. I'm so lucky. I'm in ninth grade and I've found the one that my heart was created for. And that lasts until her soulmate finds another soulmate, right? And then she's like, how could this happen? She doesn't have enough life experience to know that happens to everybody. We've all been there. Every high schooler was like, oh, I found my soulmate. And none of us did. Well, very few of us actually did. See, she's not dumb. She's not like evil. She's not consciously choosing unwise ways of living or relating to people. Her issue is she just hasn't had a lot of life experience yet. She will learn that that's not how relationships work. She just hasn't learned yet. A simple person is the kind of person who, you know, they haven't like had, um, uh, their life experience hasn't led them to bear the weight and responsibility of life yet. So they haven't dealt with the weight of having debt that they've accrued over years. These are people who have never had to struggle to provide for a family. They don't, they don't carry that weight on their shoulder. They don't know what it's like to have that sort of pressure day in and day out because they haven't had the life experience for it. They don't know what it's like to go two or three decades of making very poor health choices and then dealing with the physical consequences of living that sort of lifestyle. The simple person is not evil. They're not bad. They just don't know any better. They're clueless. Now that's going to be important, okay? Because the, the solution for somebody who is simple is simply time. If somebody is simple, all they need is time. They need to gain some life experience. They need to grow. They need to learn from their mistakes over time. And pretty soon they will move from being simple, hopefully into being wise. So when it comes to you trying to figure out how do I relate to somebody in my life who's living as a simple one, that's gonna factor in. We'll talk about how you relate to these people here in, in just a moment. All they really need is time. So that's the first one. The second person, the second type of person that we see here in Proverbs chapter one, again, we see it throughout the book of Proverbs itself, is the fool, okay? Now, I would love to say to you, fool is kind of a, a bad translation. It really means this or that. No, there's no better translation. Proverbs literally calls these people fools. That's exactly what it means. And when you understand what a fool is, you understand why the Bible uses very, very direct language for them. You see, a simple person just doesn't know any better, right? They don't know the right thing. They're too young to know the right thing. But a fool, on the other hand, knows the right thing. They just don't care. It just doesn't matter to them, right? They are willing to make poor choices 
to suffer the consequences of those choices and then continue to make the same choices again. It's like they repeat this cycle over and over. They have no desire to do anything different despite the fact that life continues to give them hardship and heartache and trouble. There's a great verse that describes fools. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. If you've never seen it before, you're gonna be pretty surprised by this one. Also from the book of Proverbs, chapter number 26, verse 11, the scripture says this. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. How descriptive and disgusting is that, right? Like, seriously, God, couldn't you have come up with a better metaphor? No, this is the perfect metaphor for somebody who's living a foolish life. They do these things that produce like awful, gross, horrible consequences in their lives, and yet, they continue to go back to it over and over and over again. The fool, according to the scripture, is the person who has a perpetual hangover, you know? They go out every single night, they get totally wasted and hammered, and then they go out and do it again the night after and the night after and the night after. Eventually, they have to do it so often, it's the only way that they can feel good. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a foolish person continues to repeat their folly over and over again. A fool, according to the scripture, is the guy who continued to flirt with the lady at the office, despite the fact that that's what blew up his first marriage. He never learned. He just, that's what he does. He continues to do it over and over again. A fool, according to the scripture, is the type of person who will have their home foreclosed on and continue the same spending habits that got him into that place in the first, in the first go around. You see, a fool is somebody who knows what they should do, but they choose not to do it. That doesn't mean they're evil. It doesn't mean necessarily that they're bad. It just means that they don't care about the consequences of what's happening. If you talk to a fool, usually they'll say something like this. You know, everybody just needs to worry about themselves, okay? I'm not hurting anybody. It's just me. It's just my life that I'm affecting. So don't worry about it, okay? Everything's gonna be all right. That's what a fool tends to say. If you were to sit him down and have an intervention, you know, you're like, I'm really concerned about you. You are spending way too much money or gosh, you're making terrible dating choices. Like I just see it over and again. You're never happy. You never choose somebody that makes you happy or that leads to a healthy relationship. These are the type of people that'll say, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I should do something different. And then they never do anything different. And it drives you crazy because you're like, I don't get it. I don't understand why you don't see how your continual choices are leading you to the same point over and over again. A fool continues to repeat their foolishness. They say things like, see, what I'm doing is fun. I'm enjoying it. Like, yeah, I mean, I know I have some hard times and stuff like that. It doesn't always work out. But in the meantime, I'm really having a lot of fun. Those, you know, the nights when I'm out at the bar as a blast, it's the next day that I don't always enjoy so much. So a fool will justify their foolishness over and over again. They know what they should be doing. They just choose not to do it. So if the cure for the simple one is time, Unfortunately, the cure for the fool is often tragedy. That's often what it takes to shake a fool, to get them off the path that they're living on. Because they're willing to ignore common sense, wisdom, sound advice, because they are willing to, um, they're willing to endure a lot of breakups and a lot of restarts 
and a lot of do-overs. They're willing to go through it over and over again. It takes a lot to get their attention. And so what we're left with is a group of people that really only decide they're going to change when they go through a significant tragedy in their life. They end up losing their family. They spend some time in jail. They end up destroying a friendship. That's what it takes often in order to get the fool to move out of the fool's seat and into the seat of wisdom. And just like, you know, with time and the simple person, that's going to factor into how you should relate to either yourself, if you are the one who's living foolishly, or other people in your life who are walking down this path that the Bible says is total foolishness. All right, so we've got the simple person who just doesn't know any better. They are clueless. We've got the fool who knows better but doesn't care. They are careless. The last of these people who are living unwisely is the mocker. You see that in this passage, you'll see this phrase, this designation come up several times throughout the book of Proverbs, the mocker. And these are the worst of the people who live unwisely, to be quite blunt. There is no better translation for this one either. This is who they are. This is what they are. They are negative, horrible, difficult people. They take advantage of others. They think they have all of the answers. Anytime you try to correct them, they get angry with you. Like they are just difficult, difficult people to be around. If the simple are clueless, if the foolish are careless, then the, uh, the, the, the mocker is really critical or they're condescending. They're cynical about life. And it's like nothing you can do is ever going to change them. A, a simple person and a fool, they can be changed. A mocker, though, often cannot. They're going to continue with their way of thinking, with their way of relating, with their way of handling life's difficulties each and every day. It's like not enough that they don't have faith. They also don't want you to have faith, right? They're that kind of person. It's not enough that they choose not to do what's wise in any given situation, but they'll often lead other people to do the exact opposite of the wise thing. And often they do it because they have evil intent. They want to harm. They want to take somebody down with them. These are the people who will speak venom instead of healing. These are the people who will abuse and accuse other people in their life rather than serve and love them. Mockers have the potential to be quite dangerous people. They don't have any desire for reverence, for reconciliation, for grace. It's like they are out for themselves and if they can trip somebody up in the meantime, they're glad to do it as well. Now, thankfully, there aren't that many mockers, not true mockers, but there are some. And if you have some in your life, you need to know how to deal with them. We'll talk about them in just a sec. Let me show you Proverbs chapter number nine, verses seven and eight. Maybe this will kind of illustrate what a mocker really looks like. Can we put those verses? There we go. The scripture says, anyone who rebukes a mocker will get an insult in return. Anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. So don't bother correcting mockers. There's no point. They will only hate you for it. But if you correct the wise, they will love you. 
See, the scripture describes the mocker as somebody who is, they have no interest in changing anything. They have no interest in restoring anything. They are on their own path, and there is very, very little that you can do to pull them off. In fact, the cure for most mockers, again, unfortunately, is not time, it's not tragedy, it's the grave. That's what it takes to get most of these people who have so turned in on themselves. They're so hate-filled. They're so ugly, so to speak, in their soul that the only thing besides a straight-up miracle intervention from God, the only thing that is going to move them out of that seat is death. They're just not going to get there. And so again, this matters when it comes to how you are going to deal with these sorts of people, or if you see the mocker sort of mentality come up in your own heart. Okay, so the last chair, you could probably figure this out. It's the wise person, okay? So we've had the simple person who's just clueless. We've got the fool who's careless. We've got the mocker who's very cynical and condescending. But we also see in this passage and throughout the whole book of Proverbs, the person who is wise. And wisdom matters. Wisdom makes a difference in our lives. So you probably kind of understand what a wise person is. I'm not going to belabor this because we've been talking about it over the past couple weeks. We'll continue to talk about it over the next. But I want you to understand a wise person is the person who puts into practice the things that we read in the Bible. They live the life of Jesus, so to speak. They follow in his path. They treat people the way that he did. They honor God the way that Christ did. That's what makes for a wise person. All right. So we've got these four types of people here. All right. We've got the simple, we've got the fool, the mocker, and the wise. Can I ask you a hard question? Let's just be honest. You don't have to turn to your neighbor. I'm not going to ask you to like say this out loud. You don't have to write it down on a sticky note and put it on your mirror so you see it every morning. Can I ask you though, which of those seats you find yourself sitting in this morning? My guess is, if you're anything like me, I'll just speak for myself. My immediate reaction is to say, oh, I'm in the seat of the wise person. Of course, I'm wise. The problem is I might be wise in some arenas of my life, But if I'm honest, I know that I am foolish or simple. Sometimes I'm even a mocker in other areas of my life. And so I don't want you to paint yourself with one big, broad brushstroke. Instead, I want you to think through some of the major areas of your life and say, am I living as a wise person or as an unwise person? Because you could be making very wise financial decisions and very unwise relationship decisions. Am I right? You could be making very, very wise relational decisions, but very unwise spiritual decisions. And so it is possible to occupy multiple different chairs in multiple arenas of your life. So would you just do that for a sec? Would you just evaluate and say, all right, if I'm honest, I don't have to tell anybody else this, but if I'm honest, I know that I'm living as a fool in this area of my life and I need to address it. I need to do something with it. If you find yourself sitting in the seat of the simple, can can I just encourage you to seek out wisdom? Despite the fact that you're probably young, you haven't had a ton of life experience. Some of you guys might even be older, like you might not be 18 or 21 or something. You could be in your 40s and still not have a lot of life experience for various um, life circumstances. If you find yourself simple, lacking experience, let me tell you, there is good news for you, okay? Especially those of you guys that are young. 
Because you have the potential to have something that I never had. And you have the potential to have something that most of the people sitting around you never had in their life. That is your youth and wisdom. Almost nobody gets both. Almost everybody gets wisdom or youth, but not both. You don't get the wisdom till you get older and you've already lost your youth. But if you will choose to listen to wisdom, the wisdom that's found in the scripture, the wisdom that's found from the godly voices in your life, if you will choose to believe and practice that wisdom in your teens and your 20s, do you realize that we will all envy you? Every person in this theater will be like, wow, I wish I could have my 20s back and I could have the same perspective that they have. Do you realize that if you live according to this wisdom, you will instantly become the most attractive person in your social group? I mean this very seriously. Like wisdom has the potential to cover bad skin and bad teeth, you guys. Like if you are wise, all of a sudden you will have something that almost nobody else your age has. So there is the potential for you to experience life overflowing, life in abundance in the future because you refuse to learn things the hard way, because you choose to take good advice even when most of your peers are like, I don't need anybody telling me what to do. If you find yourself sitting in the seat of the fool, can I just challenge you? Please don't wait for a tragedy to blow up this area of your life before you choose to do something. Don't wait for a divorce. Don't wait for a bankruptcy. Don't wait until you get fired. Don't wait until you believe that God doesn't love you anymore. Don't wait until you hit tragedy before you choose to get up out of that seat and start living a more wise way of life. If you find yourself in the seat of the mocker, let me encourage you. Well, you're probably not here, okay? Let's be honest. If you're a mocker, you're not gonna show up to church. But just in case somebody happens to be listening and you're a mocker in some arena of your life, I want you to know you probably are smarter than the rest of us, okay? You probably have life experience that I don't have. You're having a dialogue in your head. You're like, this little kid doesn't know me. He doesn't know anything about me. And you're right, I don't, okay? But let me just say this. If over time you find yourself becoming increasingly isolated in your life, It's like you're losing friendships. Your family doesn't seem to have anything to do with you anymore. Can I just tell you that you can find community and love and acceptance in this room? It is actually possible. You can think everybody in this room is nuts and we'll still love you anyway. There is the potential for you to be loved out of the mocker seat. In fact, that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to love you out of the mocker seat. Now, here's the deal, okay? This is so very important. I want you guys to understand that the good news of the Bible is not that God loves people who obey the book of Proverbs. That's not it. I'm telling you, you should put this wisdom into practice. You should live according to the wise teachings of the Bible. But we don't do that so that we can justify ourselves to God, so that we can stand before him and say, I did everything thou hast asked, Father. No, the good news of the Bible is that God loves us despite the fact that we suck at following the teachings of the Bible. We are not good at it, and yet God loves us. And so it is from that position of acceptance, of love, the scripture calls it adoption into God's family. It is because God has given that to us that we're like, wow, I want to live differently. I want to experience life in abundance, life overflowing. I want all the good gifts and blessings that God has in store for people who follow his way of life. So please don't misunderstand. 
misunderstand, excuse me, God doesn't love you if you follow these. God loves you whether you follow them or not. But from that love, that recognition, man, there is the power to transform you, to move you out of any one of those seats and to put you into another. All right. I told you that this kind of gives you a framework for how to relate to the people in your life. And so if you are looking at your life and you go, okay, I've got somebody in my life who's simple. Maybe it's a grandkid or a, a, a family member. Maybe it's somebody, you know, a friend's child or something like that. And they're making very simple decisions. They're living as a simple person. And you're wondering, how long should I tolerate this? How long should we go on? How long should I keep forgiving and saying, it's okay, we'll start again, we'll try again? How long, how long? The good news with the simple is because all they need is time that's all you have to give them. If you'll stick with a simple person, if you'll put up with their stupidity for a few years, most of them will grow out of it. You're worried about your grandkid, I understand that. You're worried about your young children, I get that. You're, the kids in your neighborhood, whatever, whatever. But I'm telling you, the majority of those young people actually grow out of it. They gain some life experience and they recognize, man, I've been making some pretty dumb decisions and they get their life ordered and oriented in the right way. That's what happened to you, isn't it? It's what happened to me for sure. I was living as a simple person and I finally understood, man, God has something more for me. So I want you to roll with the simple people in your life. Accept them, love them, keep them coming back. Even when they frustrate you, even when they drive you crazy, even if they make the same mistakes over and again, if you continue to love them, when they grow up and they gain some life experience and some perspective, they are going to come back to those who stood by them. So if it's just a matter of somebody who's simple and doesn't have a lot of experience, go ahead and love them through it. Now, if you've got somebody in your life who's living as a fool, you need to be careful. I'm not telling you you should cut them out. I'm also not telling that you that you should accept them unconditionally. You need to figure out on a case-by-case -case basis how you should handle this. Because we said a fool is careless. And I just want you to understand that if a fool is careless with their own money, they're going to be careless with your money too. If a fool is careless with their body, they're going to be careless with your body. If they're careless with their reputation, they're going to be careless with yours. It's on and on it goes. If they are careless, they're careless. And so while the fool tends to say, oh, I'm only, you know, it's just me. I'm not affecting anybody else. These tragedies that they often find themselves in, they don't just affect them. They affect their families and their friends and their fiancés and on and on it goes. And so if you see somebody who's making foolish decisions, they know the right thing, but they continue to do it anyway. I want you to be cautious. And it is possible that God is calling you to love them through it. It's also possible that God is calling you to separate from them for a while until they can get out of the seat that they're occupying. Hey, um, the scripture says this here about fools. It says in Proverbs chapter number 13, verse 20, if you walk with the wise, you will become wise. But if you associate with fools, you will get yourself into trouble. So you've got to be careful around fools. All right, last one. If you find somebody who's a mocker in your life, somebody that's just negative, they're toxic, they're difficult, you can't stand being around them, um, I'm just going to be real direct with you. I think probably the best thing for you to do is just cut them out. Just like if it's somebody who just continually is emotionally harmful, they are using and abusing you, it's like they don't bring any value into your life, then you need to be careful with how much access you give to your heart. They have the potential to turn you into a mocker as well. 
to ruin your outlook, to bring you down, to depress you, to get you to believe that somehow God doesn't love you and that you know you are worth less. No, the good news of the scripture is that you are loved, you are accepted, so don't listen to these voices. I understand this is like a friend from way back in the day, and so you're hesitant to kind of cut ties. If they're a mocker, what does it matter? They're not adding any value to your life. I understand some of these people you work with and you can't cut them out completely, but you know what? Do what you can to separate from them. Do what you can to nix their voices. I'm not gonna hear that. God has a plan and a purpose for my life and it's not what you're telling me, so I refuse to listen to your voice and your opinion. Ghost them. (laughs) Don't feel bad about it. Just do it. You will be happier for it. And you know what? It could actually be one of the things that God uses to grab their attention and reorient their life. Now, if you're trying to figure out like where, I I know somebody in my life or I'm wondering about myself and I know they're in one of these seats, but I'm having a little bit of trouble narrowing it down. Let Let me put this here on the screen for you and maybe this will help you to understand. If you correct the simple, they won't get you, okay? They'll just be like, what? I don't understand. No, everything's fine. Don't worry about me. That'll never happen. It's okay, right? They just won't get it. And so that's one of the ways you know they're just simple. They need time. They need life experience. If you correct the fool, they're going to ignore you. They're like, ah, whatever. And then they're going to go back out and do it again. If you correct the mocker, they're going to hate you. That's what that passage that we read from Proverbs said. They're just going to hate you. They're going to give you an insult in return. But if you correct the wise, they will thank you. See, there's an opportunity for us to make choices about the people that we let into our lives or the way that we live out different arenas of our life. And it all comes down to which of these seats we're living in. It all comes down to which of these seats our friends or our family members are occupying at any one time. One of the central and key teachings of the entire book of Proverbs is that wise people surround themselves with wise people. Wise people surround themselves with wise people. You will not find many wise people who are surrounded by fools, but you'll find lots of wise people who are surrounded by other wise people. And so I wanna challenge you to surround yourself with people who speak life to you, people who speak encouragement, people who are willing to confront you in a loving and godly way when you need it. Not people who mock you, Not people who are so simple and just chasing every butterfly in their life that you're like, oh, here we go. I got to chase them down. No, you want people who are going to help you go where God wants you to go. If you're not careful, one of these three seats can knock you off of your wise seat. And that would be a terrible misfortune. And unfortunately, it would pull you away from the life in abundance that God has for you. That's your tweetable truth for today to recognize that wise people surround themselves with wise people. And if you find yourself surrounded by unwise people, it might be time to take stock. 